Do your feet sweat in work boots? If you struggle with sweaty feet, you need the best-selling Camel City Mill Lightweight Work Sock. You'll have dry, comfortable feet as their sweat-wicking merino wool is 35% better at wicking moisture compared to polyester socks. Plus, a 10-year durability guarantee thanks to their proprietary Ironside Merino Wool and Nylon Fortified Heel and Toe. Your feet won't hurt and recover faster because of the compression in the arch and calf, which helps circulation through a full 14-hour shift. Expect all-day comfort, even with steel-toe boots due to the extra cushion in the toe. These socks are completely USA-made in North Carolina. Order ship within 24 hours, and anything over $50 ships for free. To get your socks today and see how insanely durable these socks actually are, go to CamelCityMill.com and use the code DIESEL15 and get 15% off your first order. Remember, use the code DIESEL15 for 15% off your entire order at CamelCityMill.com. everybody welcome back to another week of sweat and grime to my left you have matt motherfucking totten what's up y'all and to my right we have an empty chariot again because rick the dick valco is the vid from brian well you know what he he's claiming it's the vid it's not the vid but he does sound terrible on the phone i just chatted with him these two guys are like vid bros yes we cuddle when we get vid and that's how the other one gets it but on the phone tonight (laughs) we have our guest christian yanes from steel wrist how are you sir very good thank you how are you guys doing Doing fantastic welcome to the show thank you for being on thanks for having me i'm excited so you were driving in new york traffic when we spoke earlier how was it yep as it always is uh pain in the ass fucking miserable (laughs) yeah so you start you start out in Connecticut. That's what I did. Berlin, Connecticut. That's where I started. Middle Central Connecticut. I mean, it's like it's going to be two hours thirty. That's that's doable. I can do that. Yeah. A few phone calls, a, a packet of crisps or chips, as we say, and uh, I'll be there in no time. But then you see how that GPS starts ticking up, and then yeah. it's three hours. He's three added hours to it. Like, wait, I didn't so go warm. backwards. <laughs> now for the audience, yeah. Christian, uh-huh. uh, you have now referenced two hours thirty. And you have resp- you have referenced crisps. It doesn't sound like you're from America. Where are you from? <laughs> I am not. So actually, I uh, I'm from I've since I came to America. I've learned that it's easier to say that I'm from Europe than actually specifying which country in Europe because because we're all Americans. Fucking Americans fucking and is, yeah. don't know anything. <laughs> it's like is that is that in Mexico? It's not one of our fifty no, states. <laughs> yeah. So where are you yeah, from originally? Was, I'm originally I'm originally born and raised in Spain, and very people uh, very few people know that because I. I'm half Swedish. My mother is Swedish, and I got the Viking gene, so I'm six foot four, blonde, blue eyes. Oh, but my gorgeous. mother's tongue is actually born. <laughs> I was actually, I still think and dream in, in Spanish, uh, which nobody would guess. Interesting. Um, now, yeah. Since you're from Spain, mm-hmm. I've always wondered: does that mean you're Spanish? <laughs> Spanish? That, was a, that was a terrible joke. Yes, yeah, so Spanish. <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> Explain the joke, Brian. Explain it. You know what? Let me break it down for everyone. If it was, if you were from Mexico, you would be Spanish. But since you're from Spain, you're Spanish. (laughs) 
Oh, so okay. So we're from Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They speak Spanish, but they're from yes. Mexico. <laughs> there was my joke for the night. I'm gonna wrap it up. Why don't we button this whole thing up and call it? It always sucks when you gotta explain your jokes. I know it does. It really <laughs> does. No, I, the punchline was what you know. The joke is bad when you need to explain it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we we dove deep into it. <laughs> so bad. So that's um, by itself a perfect opener. You are originally from Spain. But but you're half Swedish and what was the other half? No, so half Spanish, half Swedish. My father oh, okay. is Spanish and my mother is Swedish. Yeah. Okay. And so, how long did you live over in Spain? When did you? Well, did you move around within Europe or did you come straight to the U.S.? Oh, I moved around. So I lived in Spain. I was born and raised. Like I said, my family still lives there. Uh, but I lived there until I was 16. And when it was time to start high school or the equivalent to high school, mm-hmm. uh, my parents said, we've had enough of you. You're going to go become a little bit more Swedish. And then they sent me <laughs> and I moved to Sweden all on it's my awesome. own, age 16. And I did high school in Sweden. Interesting. Um, now, now what's, what's different, I, I lived in Spain, but I went to a British school or an English speaking school. And I did high school in Sweden in English. So then once I was done with that, I thought the logical thing to do would be to do university or college in English as well. So then I moved to Brighton, England, uh, and studied international business for four years. Interesting. And after that, I moved back to Sweden when I started working for Steel Wrist, which is my current employer still. So I've been there for 16 years um, selling till rotators, so selling attachments for excavators. So when you were in Sweden... Mm -hmm. Did you learn how to speak Swedish? Correct. Yeah. The norm would have been that my mother would have spoken Swedish to me when I grew up, right? Right. but she never did because she was already, oh, he's already speaking English and Spanish. Let's not confuse Keep it that way. Yeah. Third language. Yeah. Did you and, curse uh, her as you got older? <laughs> did I, did Why didn't I, you teach me that I, when I was young? <laughs> well, yeah, actually. Yeah. Like right now, for example, I'm, we have a daughter now here in the U S she's born in, in the U S so she's got a U.S. passport and a Swedish passport. Okay. And my wife who's Swedish. She speaks Swedish to her. I speak Spanish to her. And she's getting English in daycare. So the poor kid, she's confused now. But so confused, three, but she'll be it's going to be. Languages. Yeah, she's going to be so far ahead. Yeah. Well, just out of yeah. curiosity. So how old is she? She's two years and three months. So, okay, so that is still young enough that I'm sure there is a fair amount of co- confusion. <laughs> Do you, uh, every, every, everything is confusion, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. but I would imagine with, with at the rate kids learn, one, once she hits that kind of five years of age mark, I really feel like she'll have it pretty straight now. And she's going to be able to talk shit behind yeah. her so, friends' so, backs so and everything. Yeah, she understands the three languages. Of course, she can't speak them back, but I'll yeah. speak to her in Spanish and give her instructions or commands, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, in Spanish, and, and she'll follow. And her her mother will do it in Swedish, and she'll follow. But she actually speaks English back because that's the language she probably gets most exposed to at daycare. All right. Um, Interesting. That's pretty cool. That is cool. So you're, you mentioned your wife is Swedish. It, yes. Now, now is that one of those things where you you had to keep it Swedish and you sought out a Swedish woman, or no, or was it you weren't allowed to venture just by I, chance, or how did that happen? Well, I lived in Sweden for the last fourteen years, so she moved to the U.S. with me when we were going to start Steel Wrist uh, North America. Oh, so you, right. you met her when you were in Sweden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 go back ten years. Gotcha. Swedish by default. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Pretty gotcha. much. Okay. You didn't just come to America and was like, I got I got to find someone from Sweden. Man, there's yeah. slim pickings well, over here. <laughs> Get on there that is Tinder. A lot of Swedes here. There is a lot of Swedes actually in North America. Are there really? 
Yeah, actually. Well, and, and the area where we're at in Connecticut, there's a lot of aviation. And, you know, back in the days, Volvo Aero, um, the Volvo company that manufactured it, jet engines, um, they have established themselves there where there's, we've got Sikorsky. We've got a lot of aerospace industry in, in New England. And, of course, a lot of people from Volvo Aero moved here to, to do their business. And then, then it got bought up by GKM, the British company. But they're still around, right, the employees. So I've actually hired a few swedes that have been in the u.s for quite some time that work for steelers as well all right interesting interesting so so how did you get hooked up with steel wrist because you you said you went and studied uh what was it business management international business international, international business it, it, it's business but with languages yeah and that was the only thing that made it international so yeah i finished my college college degree and then i started looking for jobs like every 20 24 year old would yep. do mm-hmm. and the only thing that i got back was you've got too little work experience you oh. know they're expecting doesn't that suck you get out of college you're like well you're not qualified yes, you're, you're so not qualified. Qualified. Like, that's what yeah. i went to school for <laughs> exactly so and then during the summers of course when you're not studying you know what you do you work for your dad my dad had a farm um, so he was into agriculture he was both into tourism and agriculture but when he retired he kept the farm we have a banana plantation down in spain and that's what i do you know i help banana him out the plantation farm. It's not, it's not like you can put that in a resume. It doesn't go that far either. Um, Harvest bananas. So, <laughs> so the person who was who was starting Steel Risk, the CEO and founder, um, I know personally, and my mother said, you know, Stefan is actually starting a company. You should reach out to him and see if he gives you a job. Uh, and I did. And I needed six months work experience. That's what everybody was asking. So I said, Stefan, listen, I am um, really desperate to get a job. I'll come work for you and I'll work for you for free. For six months, as long as you can feed me and house me, because uh, I need to be able to put on my resume that I've been working for six months at least for a legit company. And I'm uh, really good uh, at handling bananas. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> really good. <laughs> I'm an expert in the subject. I know my so, way around a good banana. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hired. Yes, I moved to Sweden and I actually ended up staying in his house for a year and a half, pretty much staying at the guest room. And we were working. I mean, Steelris was was then one month old it was only the paperwork had been filed but wow. nothing had been done wow uh, and uh so then it was, it's a little bit like the steve jobs uh, apple story you know we'd get there eight in the morning work in the office until 5 p.m then we'd get changed and go down to the workshop and put tilt rotators together we'd build them really until probably 11 midnight 1 a.m and then go home and then back at it again seven in the morning and we probably did that consistently, weekends included, for the first three years. Wow. Wow. Now, in yeah. the 16 years, right, you've been with them? Yep. Did, do they ever start paying you after that six months? <laughs> like a month ago. They've just been paying for my house and food. I'm like, this is great, but I forgot that I don't have a paycheck. <laughs> I did not. No, actually, for after it was it was legit six months, and then they started paying. Um but I, I got to say, after a business degree, I probably did three years in assembly. So I was building tilt rotators, and then we hired some assembly guys that would put them together. But they didn't speak too much Swedish. They were from Poland originally. One of them is still actually in the company still. And uh, so then I started servicing the product. So I'd, I'd put my uh, the work tool, the work the the tools and the spare part, the the parts and the the Volvo, of course, because we were in Sweden. And then I'd go out in the middle of the night and try to repair tilt rotators in where wherever job site the machine wow. was at. Wow. So it's pretty ambitious. So it's pretty good because it gave me later on the behind the scenes knowledge. Was, yeah. 
not only be behind the scenes, I mean, I, I can put them together, I can tear them apart, trying, especially when you're acting as a salesman, a lot of people, a lot of contractors have very, they're very technically savvy, you know, a lot of people yes. do work on their own machines. Yep. So then you, you get a salesman come along and they've already got this predetermined idea that this guy's a, a salesman that's going to bullshit me. Yep. And when you open your mouth and even maybe help them out on, on site on fixing a problem, then it gives you a whole de- new level of, let's say, uh, respect. Respect. Yes, Most definitely. Most definitely. That is yeah. one yeah. thing I noticed yeah. when, so when I sold case equipment, I was the only salesman in the entire company that had ever actually run equipment. And when I would go out on job sites, it, the exact same thing you just described, every contractor's rolling their eyes, give me a break, look at this schmuck out in his yep. polo shirt who's never ran a machine before. And then mm-hmm. I would say something that was clearly communicating on their level to where it was very obvious I have extensive experience. Brian, and the, the whole tone changed in the conversation. And yeah, that's it, something that I wish I, I had given that we're selling to contractors. I, so I know the mechanical part, but I've never operated machines uh, full-time. Christian, right? we, we can change that, my man. You just come out our way, and Rick and I will 100% let you... We'll, we'll let you do a land clear. We'll coach you. Yeah, we'll catch I'll, I'll get a machine too because I still have That's yet right. to do this. You guys can bring, actually bring battle. Me, bring, bring me to a demolition job set. I'll do that. that there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I can fuck Sometimes, anything up. Yeah, you can win by default on that job. <laughs> Now, the only time I've spent on machines is when there's open houses or let's say we, we're at Con Expo, we've got the Utility Expo or any show, trade show that we go to or open houses at dealerships and they have a bad turnout. Then back in the days, you jump on the machine, probably mostly to stay away of the cold and, and put some hours on the machine. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Crank yeah. that heater. Yeah. <laughs> so when it came time for one of you guys to move over here to the Americas, um, mm-hmm. how did that conversation go down? Did you guys flip a coin? That was an interesting, I mean, that was, um, steel race is now 16 years old and that was five years ago. So I was in 10 years in the business before the U S I was given the responsibility to open up the, the French market. So I was, I wasn't, I didn't live in France, but I was commuting between Sweden and France, which isn't, it sounds like a long commute, but it's a two hour, two and a half hour flight. Oof, it's that's like, still uh, a good commute. It's like Connecticut, Florida, yeah. to put it in, in the U.S. perspective. But what I do is my CEO said, okay, that you're good. If you don't want to move to France, I respect that. But you got to be there more than 50% of your time. So I'd travel two weeks at a time. So I'd be there for two weeks. The weekend I'd spend, I'd choose a nice spot in France where you want to spend the weekend. And then uh, during the week, I'd just drive around or a car rental and visit dealers and try to build right. the business. And Interesting. So, but the U.S., it was, um, it's a funny story, actually. I, I was in Spain. I was home. And I saw that Steel Wrist posted a job search, right? We're looking for a U.S. or sales manager for North America. And and I got really pissed off that they had posted this without letting without me know. Without talking that internally? Maybe a job, job opening, maybe you can consider it, you know? So, so I actually, in my little anger, uh, I applied for the job online through LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> that is the best passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then it, it took me maybe half an hour. And for some reason, for another reason, completely different to this, uh, the CEO called me and I called and I said to him, Hey, by the way, um, I've applied for a job that I saw on LinkedIn and he got a little scared. It's like, it's for the U position, uh, for a sales manager in the U S and he laughed loudly. Right. Cause he knew, yeah, he knew that there was a little bit of anger. In me, uh-huh. He knows my tone. Even though I was friendly, he knows that I was a little bit pissed off. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah. But that, that, that position is not for you. 
So it pissed me off a little bit more. But, um, I'm like, well, why do you mean? Why not? He's like, well, because we actually considered you as a president for the U.S. entity, not the sales manager. Oh, like, oh fuck. Yeah. So then it was it was I was really excited and something that I couldn't say no to it. I mean, it's um, the market definitely with the biggest potential when it comes to growth. Yeah. Uh, and it's showing already. I think the U.S. most likely will be the biggest market for steel wrist as a, as a unique market, as a country. Yeah. Um, next year will probably be the biggest market uh, already after five years in business here. That's pretty amazing. Wow. So and it's, that's, it's really exciting. And, and in all honesty, that's with really low adoption rates over here in the U S. Oh yeah. 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 Low adoption. Adoption. We're talking all together, all tilt rotator manufacturers. My estimate is that it's 2% of the market. Wow. 2%. I, in America, uh, you mean? In, 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 in America. In Sweden, yeah. you got 95%. So every machine that leaves the dealer's yard has a tilt rotator. It's not a matter of it's going to have it or not. It's a question of which color am I going to choose. Yeah. We are considered the black ones, and then our competitors, yellow, uh, red, and blue, yep. right? There's like four different colors. Um, here, I would say the potential is even bigger because in Sweden, every machine that's left the yard for the last 10 years has a tilt rotator. But Already in the on US, it. If it's, yeah, exactly. Already on it. Uh, but we're talking of a market of about 2,000 machines a year uh, when we're talking strictly excavators. In North America, if we just look at the U.S. alone, we're talking about 70,000 machines. Yeah. Out of those, we're equipping as not just steel wrist, but as a group of tilt rotator manufacturers, we're equipping 2%, let's say. Dude, but what happens machines. to the 70,000 mach <laughs> 70, machines got used, uh, got, got sold last no, year, no. the year before that, and they're also eligible, right? So yeah. the market is... Huge. Well, 240,000. Oh, yeah. Now, why do you see yeah, this, yeah. Th that, that being the case? Like, w are we just slow to adapt? We just don't like change? Or w what is the answer to that? You yeah, know? I want to hear the European outside perspective. And I don't know this, shit because I'm a, I'm a building have, trays guy. I do bathrooms and kitchens for a living. Oh, so it's like when it comes to dirt, I just, <laughs> I love watching like the steel wrist reels on, you know, Instagram. I'm like, dude, that is, so, it's like, oh, they're sick, man. It's so cool. I'm yeah, like, yeah, they're mesmerizing. Some of them, it's like, man, it's this ridiculous. Is, this, yeah. 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 It's cool. But yeah. So tell us like, why do you think that is that you only have 2% of the market here and overseas it's 95. Like that's, well, it doesn't well, make let, sense let, to let's me. Put a clear, let's, let's make it fair. Um, Let's put in Scandinavia, and that's uh, let's include Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark. Mm -hmm. We've got ninety-five percent of the market. Wow. Um, mar let's call it market penetration. Yep. Then, if you look at Germany, the UK, so steel wrist is really good Austria, at penetrating the market. Yes. We that are, we, we do our penetration. Best. We do, our best. <laughs> <laughs> do you supply Vaseline with this? <laughs> Uh, no, but EP2 grease, we do. Yeah, pl <laughs> plenty of grease. <laughs> uh, last long, I tell you. No, so, uh, this is the, awesome. Uh, the, if, if we look at the European market, uh, Germany and, and the Central Europe uh, and uh, the UK, they're not at 95%. They're actually also, they might be at 8, 10%. So right. well, they're still also behind. Even in the UK? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That surprises me. Yeah, it has to do a little bit of how the market is divided. The UK, for example, is a very big rental market. All so right. a lot of people will not own their machines. They will rent the machine. So of course, the rental houses, they don't want to put a lot of extra. Sure. It's like renting a car. You get the basic car. Yeah. You know, it, You're it, not it, getting yeah. all the bells and whistles on yeah. it. Yep. Exactly. Uh, the, the Swedish market is more of an owner-operator market and not as many big contractors. So 
a large contractor might have 50 machines. That's a medium sized contractor in North uh, America. Right? Yeah. So, you, yeah. Right, so you, you get the, I have, it's me, myself, my buddy, and we got three, four machines. And, and those are actually the customers that are in the U S are the first movers. Um, they're having tough finding labor. So they need to evolve and try to figure out how to more utilize their machines and their personnel. More effective with exactly how how can they be more effective with what they have already Uh, versus oh you we need another machine yeah just pull it into the job site and we'll get the 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 job site closed because they have surplus yeah Yeah. Yeah. I've got so there's that my my whole thing is Americans if you distill it down into one statement. So, so one of these tilt rotators on a decent sized machine is going to set you back probably 60 to 80 grand, just right, depending yep. on, on the way you outfit it. And every mm-hmm. single American's response is, well, I can buy a mini excavator for that. Well, do and you have another guy around, to drive it? Well, well but th- there's that. But there's also, but does it come with a tilt rotator on it? Yeah. Because if it doesn't, you haven't increased your capabilities. <laughs> You're still, you've just bought another machine that is just as capable as the machine that you have. Yeah, and you got to look for an operator for that machine as well. Correct. Exactly. $60,000 a year. 100, plus, plus insurance on the machine, plus all of your yep. wear and tear. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, that's not an accurate statement, but that is the American mentality. Yep. Really, and this is, and, and in my mind, this is where tilt rotators are going to get grouped in with the Hudig. I, I reviewed that Swedish yeah. machine, the Hudig. Incredible yep, yep. machine that the American market just has no understanding, no concept of how to even use this thing. The new Minotaur, the case Minotaur that just came out, all of these things, they don't fit into the American box of it's a bulldozer, it's a backhoe, yep. or an excavator. <laughs> that's, the, that's the equipment yeah, yeah. I know. And if it doesn't fit Fat in that nice, that nice tidy box, then they don't need to mess with it. Because yep. I can yep. get my backhoe, and I can get my bulldozer, and I can do everything that steel wrist can. And you go, okay, but how much did you spend to mobilize mobilize those two machines that just did what that one machine with Correct. steel wrist did with one guy it, with one guy yeah and and by the way your your backhoe and your bulldozer you had to have a laborer down there but with the steel wrist you didn't so you're actually really doing it with one guy versus over here you had two operators and a laborer doing the same yep. thing tell me again how the mini excavator is going to solve that problem well now you're taking our jobs well, oh <laughs> <laughs> they took our now, jobs. Now, fortunately, <laughs> we are finally in a in a labor situation now to where that isn't the big cry. Yep. You know, now people are, and, and in all honesty, Christian, give me your opinion on this, but I feel like that's kind of, in some ways, primed the pump for you guys. Yeah, that that actually helps. The fact that uh, labor or laborers are difficult to find, and when you do find them, they're super expensive because yes. of this. The lack of them, it's the supply and demand rule there, um, actually helps us a lot, especially when it comes to mini excavators, landscapers that might not have the larger outfits or the pocket to just hire as, as much as they would, would want to. Yeah, most um, definitely. So on a mini excavator, let's put it a five five ton, let's say 10,000 pound machine, 30, 35, 40, depending on which attachments you choose to have. That's the labor is more than that in the, during the first year. So you're if you want to see it that way, you're paying for the investment before the year's end. Yeah. Um, that, that's where we've been most successful. Now, once they've had it on the smaller machine where the investment is smaller and to figure out the gains and the efficiency increase, then it, it's a matter of months a, before they start equipping the larger machine. Yeah, it's yep. a, and it's a lot easier to swallow that pill once you understand the payoff on the backside. Correct. 
then you then you know what you're actually paying for because at the beginning you, it's a risk it's a gamble right yes and and that you do notice as well as happening in not only in north america but in every new market a lot of people don't know that this product has been around for 30 years somewhere else so they're they're skeptical of am i going to be the fool that buys this and every other contractor in town is going to be laughing at me right i don't want to be that guy let somebody else try it first and if they succeed i'll i'll buy it the the problem is that the other contractor he buys it he won't tell anybody that he has it Correct. Because the longer it takes before everybody knows that he the has more one, and money, he's he's making money advantage, yeah. the more the more advantage he has to his competition. So it's an evil circle of, you know, we, we want to spread the, the 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 good news, but the contractors out there are like, don't tell, don't tell people. Yeah, don't in my tell town. my secret. Don't, yeah, like, yeah, don't with tell, my dumb don't sell this to anybody in my town because then I'll be back to square one. Right. So it's uh yeah. But what what coming back to your point of the naysayers and you know once I pitch up some. The, the tilt rotator concept to somebody and I feel that there's negativity to it already. Mm-hmm. My way of seeing it is okay. There's a potential of 240,000 machines out there. Why am I going to focus on the guy who's going to naysay me? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to take all this a step further. Our industry right now is playing checkers and I want to play chess. So here's the deal. Not only is this thing, and, and I can speak confidently because I've played with the who dig with a, with a, I, I hate to do this to you, Christian, but it was a roto that's tilt. Fine. That's fine. It was a that's roto fine. tilt. That's fine. But but no, to have no a tilt yeah, right. rotator on a machine for the first time as an American was an absolutely just eye opening, game changing experience. And so I can confidently sit here and say, just from a production standpoint, you will absolutely pay for this thing time and time again. And then the fact that you don't have to have the labor for, I don't know, 70 to 80% of the yep. situations you used to. Now you've saved that money. But here's where the labor market plays in. So you've eliminated the need for a labor in most of your situations. You've a lot of times eliminated the need for a second operator in a lot of situations. But assuming you've found a quality operator to sit in the seat of your excavator with a steel wrist in it, mm-hmm. that guy gets spoiled. Because now he understands the value of the abilities of the steel wrist. And when he wants to go get another job because they're paying 25 cents or 50 cents an hour more, which is the problem we have in our market right now. He's just back and looks at what he's working with. Exactly. Instead of it just being about the 50 cents, now you've got the steel wrist. The guy down the road has just a regular bucket. You know that guy is going to double think that yeah. before jumping for 50 cents an hour. So again, yeah. we went from playing checkers on the labor side to now we're playing chess to where your guys invested beyond just the 50 cent raise. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And, and uh, the, the, that operator that operates with the tilt rotator with a steel wrist, he will, if he does change companies, that's actually a plus for us because he will. Because then he's going to bring that. Rotator. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got, I'll come work for you for that. But then yep. you're going to have to put a tilt rotator in that machine. Otherwise, I'm. I oh, yeah, absolutely. That works to your advantage. But man, for the labor market, I, I go, man, I can I can really tie that guy it was to my mind on when you let me use that, you know, not your guys' uh, piece of equipment, but the same scenario. Yep. Just moving that, but it, it was it was a mind game for me because I'm not an operator. I'm yep. trying to you know use joysticks, but once I kind of got it down, I'm like, this is so fucking cool. It is and the crazy thing so is so versatile. So I had operated at that point for 12 years. I me uh, 12 minutes. Yes, it taught 12 minutes. <laughs> at, at 12 years in the seat, I know everything you can do with that excavator, and you throw that tilt rotator on the end of it. And I talk about it in my review that put me back to day one on operating so I can make the machine move, 
But now all of a sudden, this bucket has four dimensions to it that didn't exist before. Yes. And now I'm going, oh, I can do the. Oh, I used to have to track around and do reposition yeah. the machine. And I had to get, you know, I had to do this funky angle and I was going to have to straddle this ditch. And wait, you're telling me now all I have to do is these two little switches and now it's perfectly. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. And it took you a solid week and a half or, or two weeks really to, to fully yeah. get it. To I'm, rewire the brain, yeah. Absolutely. Correct. And that's not even, like I could get the motions down. I'd say in a couple days, you're probably going to get the motions down to where you're fine. But to really educate yourself on the ways that you can utilize that thing, it's easily a couple weeks of use just because you have to reprogram the way you think about the machine. Your machine, it's almost like you added a second machine to it in its capabilities. With how you get out of it. Without yeah. you getting out of it, yeah. yeah. It was incredible. I'm hoping that, that given the labor situation and the problem we have finding operators and finding laborers, this might be something that will attract the younger generation because it, it makes the operating it's like a video game. It's a video so game. much. It's, yeah. a, it's a video game. It is with 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 a machine that actually costs one hundred and fifty thousand. Correct. Yes. So it's a, it's, a, it's like playing a video game, and you'll be making money doing it. And in a way, it kind of gives the the job a little bit more prestige, not that it doesn't have it already. Yes. But but if you're a good uh, tilt rotator, uh, an operator that can handle a tilt rotator, in the future, at least in in the entry level that we're at. That will put you aside from a lot of other operators. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to require a premium to go work for someone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Back, back, in, Sweden, back in Sweden, some, um, let's call it the employers or whoever's actually um, selling the job will say, you'll get the job if Brian comes and operates with his machine. Because we, we've seen Brian work and we know the good work he does. Yeah. If you, you know, so, so you have a, a premium if you have that operator that's so savvy with a tilt rotator because it'll, it'll make your company more efficient and more. Interesting. So they'll yeah. actually bid jobs knowing that you get A-level, B-level. operator. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. That's a, quite the trophy to carry around on your shoulders. Yeah. I'm yeah. on the yeah, you got see, this. You remember, you got guy. this job because I am on it. Yeah, that's right. Just remember yeah, that, yeah. guys. And, and actually, I'm not, not, to, uh, not to get the operators out there to encourage, but I've seen the situation where given that they have so much say because they're the ones bringing in the money at the end of the day, they're the ones performing the job and performing it to the standard of whoever wants the job done. Yeah. They can say, I don't want to sit on that machine. I want to sit on that machine and it's going to have that bucket. And it's going to have that grapple. Otherwise I'll go work for Bob down the street. Cause yep. he'll give me that. Yeah. So um, yeah. We're just starting to yeah, see the beginnings of, of that. that. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's such an interesting, this whole conversation is really interesting just because the American market uh, in this industry is at a real crossroads. And I, I think that's why I'm so excited about everything that we're doing between this and the diesel and iron channel is, um, you know, Rick and I are very much about technological innovation in our industry. There hasn't been enough of it. Nothing. We're so, Not especially yet, here in America, we're so slow to change. And yet now the industry is finally at a point where it's, Okay, something's got to change because the old system isn't working. You don't have it's not working anymore. It's, yeah. it's not. You don't have new people coming into the industry. You've got you know fuel prices going through the roof, even though your actual you know hourly charge rates are not keeping up with that. Yep. So margins are getting crunched. There's so many dynamics at play that really the American market is struggling to do business as usual, and that's where. I jump in and I go, fucking hey, let's let's do this. Let's yeah. rock the boat. But yeah, unfortunately, most of America doesn't think that way. No. Yeah. 
And I wouldn't blame it all in Americans being conservative. Sure, the industry is conservative as a whole. I yeah, think the industry that is, is very conservative true. as a whole everywhere. Like if you go to Germany, the, the people in the construction industry are probably more conservative than the banking industry or or the fishing industry. Or, yeah. So yeah. The, 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 indus- the, the industry as a, as a whole is conservative. But then there's also other barriers like the tilt rotator manufacturers are coming in and we're not using the same coupler standard as is the norm in the US. So we don't use the pin grabbers. We use a right. symmetrical style coupler. Oh, so now it means I got to convert all my fleets or yeah. there's a cost involved. So you got, there's, it's not just the conservatism of the people. Yeah. There's a lot of other factors that will play in. So, so that's kind of, let's not blame it all on, on Americans. You know, uh, no, we can. You know, Christian, we can. We as, can. As the European in the, in the group, I will, I will applaud you for trying to let us off the hook, but as the American, I'm going <laughs> to not say. let us off the hook because if if it were tilt rotators that we that was the only hold up in this whole thing, I would agree with you. But the oh, okay, fact, I got you. But the fact that it took us so long to latch on to machine control, it took us so long I, to latch on all these other technologies, drones. I, all I will <laughs> give you that. I will give you that. I got to tell you that the moving from Europe to the U.S. and then the first time I, I had to pay for something, and they say, "Well, just uh, you know, give us a check." Yeah, we don't do checks in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> I still get surprised when they say, oh, well, just send me a fax. We don't do fax. That's it, yeah. It's yes. all good. I still yeah. run across Isn't that the wildest people? thing in the world. The other day, we were trying to get some paperwork sent over from an office. And they're like, do you have a fax machine? I'm like, who the fuck has a fax machine? They're like, no, I don't have a fax machine. Can you email it? It's we like, can't email this. Yeah, it's I'm like, like that scene why in can't you? What year yeah. is it? It's like, how about you get a fucking homing pigeon and send it to me? You're like, exactly. God, like yeah. fucking fax machine? Yeah, so, so it's a country where what I've experienced is you can go to the gas station and pay with Apple Pay through your phone. But at the same time, other industries are requesting checks, and, and that process is so slow compared to a, a wire and ACH, yeah. which which is safer the way I see it. Yeah. I was going to so say, I think lot. the 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 reason because due to the reason to using a fax machine is because it's safer and you know it's not yeah, encrypted. That and is correct. Through, yes, so that, that is, is the one reason why I think they wouldn't send it other than via text or mail. I, I will say. From what from what I've seen, and I, I'll just speak specifically about the construction industry when it comes to Americans. If it's outside of their comfort zone, they don't like it. The knee jerk is just at nope, I don't like it, and I'm not even going to give it a chance. But if you can baby step them, and that's the key, and that's little baby steps. It is. You have to literally hold their hand and say, "Hey, it's okay. I'm going to show you something that's really cool, and you tell me what you think at the end of it." Like that's almost the level that you have to go. And if you walk them through and baby step towards the end of it, you go, now look at what we accomplished. And that was with one machine and without a labor. What do you think? And that's when they go, wow, I get it. Yeah. But if you just put it out there with a couple of videos, most Americans go, I don't like it. It doesn't fit in my box. Well, like in my world of the, the, you know, the building trade side, you know, I just found out about a new product for waterproofing and it eliminates an entire step of mixing mud and putting on this membrane, you know, so it's like a whole day's yeah. work that you're saving. It's a peel and stick. Yep. You peel it, you stick it to the wall, boom, done. Everyone is like freaking the fuck out. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Like now I don't need a guy to mix mud and clean my tools and I don't lose a day. To, you know, so same thing. It's just, we don't like new things, you know, don't change. It's like, no, yeah. this is amazing. They have a hundred year warranty on it. They, they've tested and proven it before they put it in market. You know, there's it's, almost now that I'm thinking about it, a cultural aspect of yeah. the American seems to pride himself. I like new cool shit I do to make too. my life easy. And, and that's why I think 
that that's where I think we specifically have such an advantage in our industries. Um, because there is a cultural thing. I, it's almost a point of pride to Americans that if I can point out a flaw, then I win. Yeah. I win the golden prize yeah, oh, yeah, of being yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the best in my business because I recognize where it's going to be sh- coming up short. Well, you like the, yeah. the steel wrist, prime example. The weakest, where the weakest link is yeah. going to be. Oh, well, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. pull concrete with it. Well, okay, jackass, no one said you could pull concrete with it. But look at the 50 other things you can do with it that you've ignored. Correct. <laughs> yes. So yeah, normally, the, 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 what I say to a lot of people is, well, you, you started with a flip with a, with a smartphone. You wouldn't go back to a flip phone, would you? Once you get used to the, uh, the there are the some days that I'm like, you know, <laughs> this damn fucking piece of distraction in my hand, you know, when I go back to, I think the you're right, the let's, Blackberry. Let's, let's use, let's use yeah. another conversion. Let's use another comparison. You could be a cab driver and you could still be using a map. That's true. Uh, uh, they're using that is a GPS, true. right? Well, this one time, my... <laughs> Matt, Matt's going to play He's the American. One of them, yeah. He's one of them, Brian. He's one of them. <laughs> I, no, you're, I, I know. Come honestly, on, don't you miss those days of traveling across country? You sit there and map out. You you do like a week's worth of like mapping And then roads, you make one missed turn and you, do, and you don't find out until well, then four you hours later. It. It's great. It's called adventure, you know? <laughs> You know how many times freaking uh, MapQuest has put me into a like a freaking dead end? I'm like, you know, this road's not here anymore. MapQuest. Now you're really dating yourself. Who uses MapQuest anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'll get with the times. I do think the smartphone analogy is perfect, though, because there was so many people that were so hesitant to go to the... that yeah. the, You know, because if you think about phone technology up until that point, it was about making phones smaller. And then the smartphone yep. came along, and all of a sudden we started going the opposite direction. I remember all of my buddies' knee-jerk reactions to the to the iPhone because that was the first one. Yep. Oh, I think it's way too big. That's a ridiculous device. It's so stupid. Again, typical American. Yep. I'm just going to write it off before I've even given it a chance. And here, the whole world has switched over to them. And yeah, find me outside of the old crotchety guy that wants to be able to drop his Nokia from 18 stories up and still use it. Nokia. Oh, oh, excuse me. Not a no sorry, key. sorry, Mister Japanese. <laughs> it's it's yeah. actually Finnish. Yeah, it is, is it Finnish. Really? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. So, how is it actually pronounced? Nokia. Nokia. Okay. Okay. Well, so basically, Japanese. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know. It's a fun fact. Nokia actually does uh, tires. They started with tires. They went over to phones. And when the smartphones kind of overtook them and they couldn't keep up, they went back to tires or they continued focusing on. on I want to say, I've never seen a Nokia tire. I guess you can can get Nokia tires for your excavator, actually. All right. And that that explains why you can drop their phones from 18 stories and they still work. Because when you start in tire development, you're going to build those babies to last. Dude, I do miss playing (laughs) Snake all day. That's true. That was a fucking best game ever. But so. What was what what is the selling to French people versus selling to Americans? Give us kind of a synopsis of the difference culturally there. Well, it's it's interesting you say that. And the French, believe it, it, of course they speak French, so there's a barrier there. But I have to say that there was a less, even though I speak decent English, there was more of a culture shock moving to the U.S. than it was working with the French. Really. Believe it or not, but but at the same time, we are European. So I guess I guess the European mentality is still in there, even though uh, there's a difference in the language and way of expressing things. But when it comes to day to day things, we understood each other better. I think, right. uh, yeah. But you know, um, yeah, the French the French were actually pretty good to deal with. Um, 
I, I, I have no complaints about the French. I did enjoy traveling and, and driving around France and eating good cheeses and drinking their wine. I, I, right. I don't miss, uh, I, I do miss that. Uh, now US, you drive around I the like, U.S. to like every here. fast food restaurant. Yeah, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> what I do like about the U.S., and I'm going to give you this, is Americans are very friendly. There's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of good small talk, which that doesn't happen in Sweden. You know, you'll be in the elevator 20 floors and you won't even look at each other and nod. Everybody really? sticks to their little, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But, but in the U.S., I like the fact that everybody's, well, not everybody, but as the grand majority of people are friendly no matter where you go. And something which is fun with my job is that once you've delivered the product, uh, tilt rotator in this case, to a, co a contractor and you have a relationship with them, because normally we, we sell to dealers. Yep. So we don't always get to know who the end user is. Yeah. Sometimes we have, we, we get the luck to know because they call and they do the research and we kind of know that they're on the way to, to, to buy one. But right. when, we, when, when we do have that connection, then they call back and you say, hey, Christian, this is amazing. Like I knew it was going to be good. I knew I was going to like it, but I did not know it was going to revolutionize my world. Holy Today, I man. saved 300 bucks because the truck driver could back up and I could reach the tree from that angle. And it, so it's, it's actually, it makes me feel happy. It's like we've done, we've done the community good, even yeah. though it's, it's a business, right? Because the people are so grateful of how a product uh, has changed their life and the way of doing business. Uh, that you don't get in Europe because people are used to it, right? People are used to the... It's nothing new so to them. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, it, there's no wow factor as it is here, and and that is something that I appreciate because it makes you come to work with a smile and knowing that the the customers that you're serving they're actually happy and grateful of what you're providing versus oh yeah thanks see you later. There's nothing better than getting a compliment or a good good res uh, review after you sell a product. You know, you know, kind of like our podcast. You know, we have people reach out to us. You know, and you you don't think you're doing any good, and all of a sudden you get a nice little one like hey um such and such and you know keep it up you know my mental you know my my mental state was down and when i listened to that i listened to a couple you know stories of you guys and now it brought me back up i'm back on the road you know so again that is yeah. just like you, you you pat yourself on the back and you go forward and yeah you know you're doing good so yeah that goes a long way definitely. it does it does so so where you were located in what part you're in connecticut we are we are in north in the northeast in Connecticut, and right. the, the reason for that there's several, a lot of people. That's kind of the first question a lot of people: Why New England? Why mm -hmm. Connecticut? Yeah, most definitely. Taxes are high to begin yeah, with. Everybody, yes. all every every business owner is like, "Why are you coming to? Everybody else is moving out. Why are you guys coming in?" <laughs> and of course, in Europe, we didn't know. You know, yep. originally we thought California, California would be nice. You know, it's nice and sunny, but then we got the the time difference. So if we're in California, we got nine hour time difference towards the factory. Ooh, the headquarters, yeah, that makes and we, good and sense. We need, and we need the support. So being in the East Coast, you're in the middle ground. Six hour time difference. Yep. Yeah, six hour time difference. We wake up; they're still working. If there's any issues or anything that we need to handle with them, they're still awake. Yeah, you're way over on the, the Yeah, when you're yeah. in California, that doesn't happen too well. <laughs> yeah. Then we are, uh, we, we, uh, we actually located, because we sell to dealers, we Google mapped every dealer on the East Coast, all, all the right. Kubota dealers, all the Yanmar dealers, all the Volvo dealers, yeah. all the Cat dealers. We, we, we put all the dealers on the East Coast because we wanted to be, we wanted to know where our customers are. Yeah. And there was two clusters. One of them was Allentown, Pennsylvania, and the other one was the Berlin Turnpike in Connecticut. All right. So then we traveled here and looked around and said, where would we rather live? Uh, oh, you don't want to live in Allentown? So it's like you guys were settlers. <laughs> nothing nothing against <laughs> Pennsylvania, but I think Connecticut is good. We're close to Boston. We're close to New York. Uh, there's a lot of uh, 
it's very similar to Sweden. It's got lakes. It's got you can great hiking in Connecticut. Yes. So it was a little bit the decision from management is where would our employees that we're sending over enjoy be? Yeah. Being. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no consideration in how expensive it is when it comes to taxes, how consideration, how expensive it is when it comes to salaries, which is which is more expensive than mm-hmm. many other states. Uh, you see a lot of the manufacturing, big manufacturers are going to Georgia, outside of Atlanta. So we ended up a little bit far away from there. But uh, we're super happy in, in Connecticut. And then another curious fact is uh, coming to what we're talking about, generalizing America, North America as a market you were not doing a favor to some areas because some areas are more advanced than others, right? So you go to the New England area, there's more wheeled excavators, which are very common in, in Europe. So the New England area is probably more closer to the huh. European mentality. I yeah. don't know why. The, they were the first ones kind of to implement the quick upper. So most machines in Connecticut will have a quick upper from the dealer. Yep. You go to Florida, there's no quick upper. That's a pin on bucket all the way. Yeah. You go to the Northwest, you got thumbs, you know, every machine has a thumb. Every machine needs to have a thumb. Otherwise they can't work. Yeah. So within the U S there's a lot of different trends and different. And the Northeast was, were the first ones to actually reach out, call Sweden and say, Hey, we've been seeing these abroad and we'd like to get quoted on one. So, so the, I'd say the, we're sell, we sell the most in the Northeast today, as well as the Northwest. So we ended up in the right spot. Interesting. Sounds like it. So just out of curiosity, uh, when you mm-hmm. came over, yep. what was one of the biggest culture shock things when you got here? What was just, what really sticks out to you? Like, wow, I was not expecting that. People talking to him in an elevator. Well, that's true. That. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> People I, being I, nice. I would have to say, I would have to say what we're, I don't want to be repetitive, but coming back to the subject we were talking earlier about conservatism. Yeah. Um, coming from, I mean, from abroad, the, the image the United States is the best country in the world, you know, first in everything, put a man in the moon, NASA, military, everything's like super advanced, right? That's the picture you have from, from Europe. Everything yep. is, they're the best at everything. And then you come here and you realize like they're the best at a lot of things, but some things have they're lacking. stayed behind. Yeah. Some, some things they were the best, uh, but they're not anymore. And you'd say like the checks, paying with a check is like, I, I mean, I'm 40 years old. I've never seen a check before <laughs> yeah. until I, I came to the U.S. Um, I, just ordered, I, we, we, I we, just ordered a whole new book of checks. I know, the other that's day. why I'm laughing. <laughs> I just ordered a book of checks too, because I have to yeah. pay by check by a couple places. Yeah. <laughs> landlines. We, we don't use landlines in Sweden. Uh, we all use cell phones, right? We don't. There's, yeah. There's no, yeah. Everything's digital, the payment's digital. So I'd say that would be the the biggest shock of seeing some small things. I mean, I'm not talking anything major, but small things that you see. Yep. They still do it this way. This is how my parents used to do it back in, in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and that those things haven't developed to other solutions that are out there that other countries have implemented is, is what surprised me the most. But like I said earlier as well, in other aspects, the U.S. is so much more advanced than a lot of other countries. So it kind of evens out. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. We we love to toot our horn here in the U.S. and and I guess this is why I'm in my podcast and on Diesel and Iron. I do rag on Americans so much is because we are so good at tooting our horn about all the things that we do so great. We really don't like to admit to our shortcomings, and that's where I kind of go, guys. We've got to check ourselves here. Like 
we have a lot of work to do. And specifically the construction industry, that's why I harp on it so much is we're so far behind the rest of the world in innovation in our industry. And it's just really when it comes down to it, it's because you've got the median age in construction right now is like 54 or 56, something like that. You've just got a bunch of these old guys in there that did it the same way their daddy did. And I ain't going to change. And now the internet, go ahead. I'm I'm hoping that the new generation that's coming in and taking over the businesses are, you know, we got the Instagram, we got social media, which is, and I think I mentioned this on the dirt, uh, Brian, where we, where we talked earlier that, those younger generations are bringing in the innovative, the innovative ideas of gearing up the business to the new times, right? Yes. yes. Now that, that's not, that's not every business, unfortunately, but at least it's a starting starting point. Well, and that's and that, again, kind of touching on this whole subject of where we are in the industry right now. That's the other fascinating aspect of the dynamic at play is those younger generations that are that are coming into the industry are bringing that innovation. The problem is there's not that many of them because there's not many exactly because yeah, yeah, yeah. America specifically has pushed higher education so hard that a lot of these kids are bypassing the trades even though there's a great living here and there's a great wage to it's be made. Down upon. It's looked down upon. It's beneath you. And that's really a propaganda campaign that's been going for for the last 40 or 50 years. And, and mm-hmm. now the blue collar world, that's, that's why it's called the blue collar world. That was a propaganda term yep. to encourage people to get out of that industry. And so it's just, there's so many fascinating dynamics that play into it, but that's where I do. I, I love to gut check our, our American culture sometimes and go, guys, sometimes you have to admit you aren't the greatest at everything. Yep. And that's what causes you to innovate and improve. We can be, we can be Absolutely. Retrospectively, looking at what I've done, I would have easily. I think I probably lent more on steel wrist for the first six months than I did during my degree for the first for the full four years. Yeah, yeah. And and looking at how blue collars, if you want to call them that, electricians, plumbers, uh, you know, I would definitely become one of the one of them instead of having done a college degree because at least in Sweden you can't find them, and if you do, they're they're making shitloads of money. Yep. Yeah. I tell you, that is another interesting aspect of of the trades is the dichotomy of you have, like if you look at tradesmen, one of the things that I have always respected about tradesmen is they are some of the most innovative, intelligent people I have ever met. You know, you you can be out in the field and and by God, I cannot get this thing to fit or I, or I can't get enough leverage to make this, you know, work. Yeah. work. And some crusty old 60 year old comes over looks at it and goes all right watch this and then he'll jankety ass rig something up to give the right leverage and you're just like holy shit the amount of engineering you just did without realizing you're doing engineering is that's <laughs> called macgyvering yes yeah. like you have that innovation yeah, exactly life experience whatever you want to call it but but tradesmen are some of the most intelligent people i know and that's what really amazes me about the lack of adoption of these new technologies is in so many ways they're so forward thinking they're so innovative they create and yet when it comes to a new piece of technology they knee jerk and go i ain't gonna do that i do it my own way (laughs) what (laughs) 
what just happened here? <laughs> so it's it's a frustrating dynamic, but but it's challenging and it's fun. I always, you know, I look at those things as a challenge and we're going to go hit it head on. Let's go change the industry. No, change yeah. the industry. What kind of cool things do you guys have you guys are implementing into your guys' uh, steel wrist that we can see in the well, future? The latest and greatest, which is picking up really fast, is uh, the SQ technology. And what the SQ technology does is you're able to change not only tools like you would do on a quick copper, right? You can go from a dig bucket to a grade bucket yep. and then from a grade bucket to a ripper. Now you can do the same thing, but going from a tool that uh, that is, a, let's call it a dumb tool, a bucket, to an intelligent tool or hydraulic tool. So as the copper connects the, the let's call it the grapple or the sweeper or the breaker or the shear or the pulverizer, any hydraulic tool, as the copper locks, the hydraulics also connect. Interesting. People are calling it the wet copper uh, because it, it includes the hydraulics, yeah. the, the oil connection. Yeah. yeah. And and that in demolition is a no-brainer. Any machine in, in Europe in demolition will be using a wet copper because they are the ones who are swapping between hydraulic tools mostly. Uh, whilst the landscape, landscape landscaping company might only use a grapple once a month, yep. the demolition contractor is, is using hydraulic tools on a daily basis. Yep. Sometimes they dedicate a machine for the shear and another machine for the breaker and another because it takes too long to change the tools from one uh, change the the tool from from one to the other. Uh, but we're seeing that the trend is coming now also for the smaller machines. So we're selling, I'd say, more than fifty percent of our sales on tilt rotators is with the integrated hydraulics with the, with wow. the white helpers. So now yeah. I, I this is where I have to hold your feet to the fire and ask the real question. My, mm -hmm. my knee jerk to that is you're going to have a shitload of issues with O-rings or whatever you're using to seal those hydraulic lines up. But at the same time, you're telling me the demo industry has been using this. You guys have it dialed in. Do yeah. you guys have a bunch of issues with O-rings or, or whatever your seals are, you know, rubbing and breaking down? Or have you guys kind of got that figured out to where it's not the hassle that, that it, initially comes off as we we haven't figured it out but of course it's been a learning curve mm -hmm. uh we have changed uh, materials for the seals what we did initially to differentiate ourselves from the competitors is to make the swapping of seals easier so you don't need a special tool so with a simple thin screwdriver you can pick out the the, the o-ring that's damaged or the o-ring that's leaking and easily with your thumb uh, kind back of in. put a bump in back in so that the downtime is minimal um but of course, I mean, there is maintenance to it. Sure. Um, Which and, is maintenance and, uh, in general hookups. Yeah, you know, again, by the yeah, human everything end. is in perspective. So in, yeah. in reality, how frequently are you having to change seals? Because in my mind, I feel like you hook this thing up two or three times and you come into it a little rough one time. And next thing you know, you're having, you're having yeah. to change a seal. Oh, well, next time you go to attach, like Matt said, now you got a piece of dirt. Ah, I got to change another seal. No, I'd say some contractors might change a seal weekly. Others I've talked to and they've said that they haven't changed a seal since they bought it. And they, and I actually asked that specific contractor down in Mississippi, mm -hmm. like how many swaps of attachments do you do a day just on an average? And he said, probably 19, 20. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. yeah that's ni 19, 20 swaps of hydraulic attachments around the day. And he hadn't changed a seal. He had not ever, he'd never had an issue. Now, uh, so it, it, my next question is, are you protecting the inlets to those? In my mind, you've got to protect the inlets to those hydraulic lines some way or else you're going to get debris that falls yeah. into those. How do you deal so, with so that? 
so on the coupler side, there's a lid. So if if the um, if the coupler is engaged, then they're protected. The male and the female are are married. If we want to call it that, they're against each other. And those positions that don't have a couple oh, will have it. Yeah, now we're starting to get into it. This is proper sweat and grime. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the ports that don't have a coupling will have a dummy. Okay. Uh, so that so that the, the fitting is not exposed. A prosthesis, if you will. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Call it, call it uh, the, the condom of excavation. Yes. All right. Yeah. The, the big rubber now, dildo. When, now all of our, our listeners just came back. They're like, yeah. oh, no, we know what they're talking about. Everybody oh, dildos. We're Everybody familiar with this verbiage. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love so it. So when, when, when you disconnect that lid... There's a lid that folds down. So if you pick up an attachment that doesn't have hydraulic tools, there's a, a, a lid that folds down and protects the females so they're not exposed to the environment. All right. Gotcha. The That's very, that very the, thoughtful. The, tool, the, couplers, the couplings that are on the tool, those are exposed to the elements. So like I said earlier, it's not maintenance-free. Somebody could go, you can you know, go with a rag and wipe them off every once in a while, and that will be enough. Um it's still much better than having to deal with quick connects, 5,000 PSIs of pressure in your face and banging out pins for, for the next 15 minutes. Right. Is that Matt, Matt went full fourth grader <laughs> yeah. and he's over there giggling up a storm. Cause you're talking about wiping things down with a rag and 5,000 PSI to the face. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying yeah, you're going to get blasted and covered. <laughs> He's one of us. <laughs> There's the old familiar so that, sweat yeah. and grime. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that I, I've been listening to some of your episodes, and I'm going to say this is probably the cleanest episode. Yes, 100. But, but no, but you, that, know you just went full dirt. Yeah, we're yeah, we're making up for lost ter- We're we're making up for lost ground right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so what innovations do you see, you know, obviously don't give away any secret sauce that you got, but at the same time, what kind of innovations do you see coming to the tilt rotator market? What, what things do you see changing? What's happening a lot as well is the integration of tilt rotators with machine control systems. Uh, oh, yeah. Popcorn, Leica. Yeah. Uh, we're actually going to be uh, in Vegas in a few weeks time at a show that Trimble puts on where they put... Dude. At least I'd say 40 machines out in the desert, all equipped from dozers to motor graders, excavators, skids, skid steers, all equipped with Trimble stuff. And uh, we'll be there with two machines that will have it. It's actually going to be a case CX210D and um, a link belt 245 with both of them with steel wrist where once the tilt rotator starts rotating, the operator in the cab will be able to see the exact positioning of the tool including the rotation. Interesting. So that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Interesting. Yeah. Dude, Trimble's now, pretty now you badass. Got a, now, you got a, now you got a really expensive piece of equipment with a steel wrist, and you're adding another expensive <laughs> right? piece of equipment with, with a machine control system, yep. but you're creating a hell of a beast of a machine. Indeed. Well, yeah, Indeed. and the capabilities that you have with those two systems working in tandem, that's, again, to go back to the American knee-jerk reaction. Well, my God, I could buy a house for that. Yes, or you but, can build three thousand. Oh, well, exactly. I mean, you can go in with when you're talking coupling Trimble with a tilt rotator. Now you can sit in one one position and you can dig out, a uh, you know, a bank out of a hillside coming down, you know, into a nice swale into a ditch, and it's all done from one position. 
in the excavator because of the capabilities of the tilt rotator. And now you have the 3D model in front of you. So you know exactly where you need to be. Dig- like, yep. That's the that's the connection. It was that so the cool like when I first has was a hard time introduced to Trimble. You know, this was back in the day, you know, fifteen years ago, and like when it was then, it was so far advanced. But oh yeah, it was now now where it's at oh, it now. Blow your mind now. Where was I? I can't. Yeah, to, to, today it's like a three D. You know, you have you yeah. have your freaking goggles on. You're walking Augmented around a job reality. site and you see everything yeah. that's supposed to be there. Where you're supposed to put your hangers. Yeah. Where you're supposed to put whatever you know, whatever industry you're in is just like. This is amazing, yeah. you know. Yeah. What, what were you going to yeah, say, we, Christian? We, we, we get to the point where we got the auto tilt. So you set an angle, let's say that you want to do a grade of uh, 45 degrees. Uh, and then you pretty much just pull the lever towards you. And the no. rotator and the machine. And it'll hold the well, grade? It will hold the grade, yeah. What? That is nuts. You're going to have to bring that up to our property and uh, let us play with it. Well, th- yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Now, this is where Anytime. I have to go like full on old school operator. I'm like, well, them ain't no real yeah. operators. <laughs> In my day, we had to actually use the sticks. <laughs> And clinch the so, butt cheeks when we're on the Because that was driving the other stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so Lord. that's happening. Some, something that's happening, which we haven't really had the time to work on. We have a patent on it. Uh, and I think our R&D team is now starting to put a little bit of time uh, into it. It's what we call tool tip control. And if you think about it, um, let's say that we, we're not going to choose any of your, your wives because we're going to keep it clean here sure but you choose I was gonna any, say any tool tip control there. sounds <laughs> like something i might have utilized the other night yeah. you might have already used it right? absolutely you might have used it, yeah. good with precision Access denied and, yeah all right well let, let's bring the let's bring the wife into the picture again let's say we're going to use tool tip control with your wife all right? and and we put her on the machine what it is is the way you operate a machine today is really not uh, instinctive i mean intuitive sorry uh, one joystick will move the machine back and forth, the boom up and down, and the left joystick is a curl. And, the, you know, it's, it's just like too many motions sure. in two joysticks. We want to keep the, the motions nice curl. and concise. Yes. <laughs> On smooth. Definitely yes. smooth. Smooth operator. <laughs> yeah. So, so you put a, not your wife in this case, but a monkey in a machine, it'll take them forever to learn how to operate a machine. It comes back to how we're going to bring more people into the industry. Well, we're making it really difficult to operate the machine sure. uh, to begin with. So what Tooltip does is one, imagine you've seen the, the, the joint, the mouses that CAD draws use that are like the ball like, mouse, like an actual joystick that, yeah, that you rotate it and you curl yep. it. And, yep. So imagine you put those in a machine instead. So when you want to, move the bucket from A to B, instead of having to do three motions on the joystick, you just push that mouse to where you want it to go, like a mouse in a computer. And the machine machine will do all the maths of, okay, then we're going to feed the curl so much oil and we're going to feed the boom so much oil and the the stick so much oil to get the bucket where the the operator wants it. So then I could drive the fucking thing. Anybody could drive it. And then on the other joystick, we would put the tilt rotator controls, which is the tool tip, right? Where if you rotate the joystick, then the tilt rotator will rotate. If you tilt it, the tilt rotator will tilt. So that it becomes more intuitive for the operator to actually just jump on a machine and actually get the stuff working. All right. Very interesting. So that's that's really interesting. You know, and this is that, now- that would change completely how machines are operated. So yeah, if we're talking definitely. about being conservative. Uh, I was about to say, this is the first thing I've been hit with to where my inner American goes, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't go changing my controls, goddammit. <laughs> Where's that well, switch behind the seat? That's right. Well, Give me my joystick back. <laughs> the, the idea is to have a switch where you could go back to conventional, of course. You know, and that's something that, that, that we don't have in Europe. We don't have deer controls and cat controls or back controls and cat controls like you guys have yeah. here. Everybody in Europe uses one controls, which would be the ISO, which is the cat controls. Oh, yes. And that's really just another one of those, the American market being difficult. And I'm not going to change what I've been doing for the past 40 Our years. ways better. You know, Case, believe it or not, their backhoes still come standard from the factory with the with controls. With, with the four stick foot swing <laughs> backhoe controls. And, and the reason every single machine on the dealer lot comes with pilots is because we always added that feature just right out of the chute because everyone uses pilot controls. But still, the factory default is the four-stick foot swing. Wow. And you still, every once in a while, see a brand new 580 Super N, beautiful sparkling paint with the four swing yeah, or the four yeah, four handle foot, foot swing yeah. controls in it and it's because there's that old school guy that's all he's ever ran he's not going to change so by god he's going to go order a new one from the factory with his foot swing controls <laughs> you're not getting rid of my manual so, transmission that's right. yeah we're, we're not going to give a tooltip to that guy that's for sure yeah <laughs> so um that's an interesting aspect that we haven't covered about the whole steel wrist package up until this point, I think most of the audience is under the impression that the steel wrist is only the thing that goes at the end of the stick. But there is another component to that, and that is what goes in the cab. Can you can yes. you tell the guys about that? Yeah, so we actually change. We, together with the tilt rotator comes a control system. So normally, most machines out there don't have enough functions in their joysticks to operate all the new dimensions of rotating, tilting, the gripper, which is a... Some people call it the pincher. They'll open and close and help you grab stuff. Yep. Apart from that, we also have an auxiliary where you could connect uh, a run hydraulic attachments, whether it is a grappler or a sweeper or, or anything else. Um, so there is a lot of added uh, functionalities and the joysticks out there don't have enough gotcha. rollers and buttons. So we change the joysticks. We put a control, we put a computer in there and we need to make sure that our control system communicates well with the with the machine and machines out there are very different some machines have canvas communication some are a little bit older and, and they just use analog signaling so for each machine we have a custom made control system so that the tilt rotator and the machine get along with each other um once we've got the control system in the machine then we kind of take over a little bit now it's, uh, we can add a lot of other functionalities that a lot of customers don't know about i can put the the wipers on the joystick so it starts to rain and you want to just hit the wiper once or want to activate the wipe i can actually put that function in the joystick versus having it in the panel i can if a customer wants i can mute the radio through the joystick versus having to turn around and turn the volume down because somebody's shouting something at you uh we can activate the blade so we can put the blade up and down through the roller on the joystick versus having to let go of the joystick and pull the lever for the blade um I know some manufacturers now are coming out with uh, call it track steering or yes. speed steer steering yeah. on an excavator. Hmm. We have that option where instead of having to pull the full joystick forward and back, we put it on the roller so that you can actually still use the left joystick to rotate the machine or to extend the, extend the dipper. Uh, so track steering is, is popular, but even more popular is wheel steering. So you get a wheeled excavator and we can put the forward neutral reverse on the right joystick 
so you can switch gears or sh- sh- switch directions, I'd say, on the on the joystick. And then the left joystick roller will steer the the wheels right and left. Mind so that you, yeah, yeah, you just yeah. so you just took the tilt rotator and opened Pandora's box into the capabilities of just the joysticks now. <laughs> like yeah. that's I had no idea you had that sort of control. So when you guys install you guys your system, over the fucking world, that's what you're trying is, to do. Right is now. that something? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys have to come out and program that, and I have to tell you on day one, or do I have a little screen that I can interface with this thing and tell it what I want it to be? Yeah. So there is a screen. Of course, if you want track steering, that that would have to be done at install, or the blade control it had to be done at install because we got to steal the the. the the signaling from that mm-hmm. function from the machine and integrate it to our computer. Yeah. But once, once you have the system in there, well, what does happen is uh, you can actually change it. We have four different profiles. So if you have somebody that wants to go slow and have everything kind of slow motion, we can Snail pull down the speeds. Mode. That's right. We can also, we can also change yeah. most people when it comes to the rotation, it's kind of common sense. When you, when you turn, when you push your, your thumb to the left, it's going to go clockwise. When you push it to the left, it's going to go anti-clockwise. But when it comes to the tilt, it's a 50-50. Some people push the, the thumb to the right and they want the right side of the bucket to go down. Yeah. Some want it to go up. So it's a little bit of messed up. Some people say, no, this is not right. This is wrong. This is It doesn't feel right in my head. So you can actually go into the computer and within 20 seconds, you can swap that so that the tilt will go on the opposite direction. Interesting. Um, and kind of adjust it. So then you, you, Brian, would have your profile. So when you come in in the morning, you put your profile and you have the machine as you want. And then Matt, when you come in in the afternoon and you're going to be jumping on the same machine and you put the setting that you want for your- We'll call it special yeah. mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, same way you have in your car and you you, you can select short bus you mode. It. <laughs> short it bus mode is what I call it. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is interesting. Man, that is fascinating. So you guys were doing that here. Cat next gen machines are getting all the credit, but you guys have been doing this well before cat next gen machines came out. For sure. We've been doing this, I'd say, for Faux at least uh, 15 years. Wow. Yeah. And there's yet another example of how clueless the American market is in, in advances in technology. Mark Zuckerberg is keeping this from my Instagram readers. God damn it, Facebook. Yeah, why, why aren't you getting the feeds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they That's don't want fascinating. us to know. That is really fascinating. Interesting. Well, well, they, yeah, there's there's lots more to the tilt rotator than just the piece of steel hanging at the end of the, uh, at the end of the right. paper for sure. So, well, Chris, I, I'd invite everybody to go into my our website, Steel Wrist, or go into YouTube and just Google Steel Wrist and see the potential and the different attachments that can be added to it to, yeah. to kind of open and look at it with uh, with an open mind. It's uh, if you're an naysayer, I don't invite you to do that because you'll probably email me and tell me that this is all bullshit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, now, that Damn is 100% trolls. the American mentality. I'm going to go through eight hoops to find your email address to tell you, you know what, Christian? I found a few flaws in your design. Now, it took me four hours of research to find your email, but it was worth it so I could tell you your attachment sucks. <laughs> for the next for the next week, I'm gonna go put my competitor's uh, email in my website. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. They'll oh, be bombarded with negative. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. Well, hey, bud, it's been amazing having you on and learning about Steel Rest and yourself. But with that being said, we got to end it with one final question. If you could okay. change anything, what would your dream job be? If I could change anything, what would my dream job be? I would probably be a diving instructor. Oh, nice. Man. So are you a scuba yeah. diver then? I, I am a scuba diver. Uh, so I dive on my private time. Being born, I'm born and raised and I'm actually born in an island in Spain. So I kind of grew up diving. And I'm always jealous of the the instructors because they get to hang out with tourists all day, and you know it's it's just a laid back life. You go yeah. down, look at the fish for 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 two hours, and then come back up and drink beer. So I, I kind of envy that life. That's pretty, yeah. So what's as, stopping you from doing it? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I actually love my job. I love working yeah, for Well, so, that's, right, that's so awesome. that was the answer that's we were awesome. looking for. So <laughs> now, as a fellow diver, I have to ask you: Where's the most spectacular location you've dived? Or I would have to say it is the Tuamoto Islands, which are uh, part of the French Polynesia. So it's it, they're off. Like if you go to Tahiti and then fly thirty minutes on a crappy plane to the middle of nowhere, yeah. And, uh, and if you there, make it. I think it's <laughs> it, it, it's called uh, Shark Alley. So it was probably seventy to eighty sharks swimming around me. Wow, um, beautiful! It was pretty, pretty amazing. That's so awesome. I'll that just watch your GoPro camera footage. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's, uh, that's probably the best dive. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, have you have you been to Bonaire by chance? No, unfortunately, not. I have. It's it's on my bucket list because I hear it's great for uh, shore diving. Bonaire was yeah. unbelievable. It was the un- blue hole. The blue hole in Belize is also in the bu- in the bucket list. Yes, I would love to do blue hole, but I I feel like there's 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 a part of me that wants to do blue hole for the sake of saying I did blue hole, but there's mm-hmm. also part of me that's like. I'm fairly confident I would shit my pants halfway down. <laughs> How deep Shum is the it? the waters. It's deep. It's, it's deep enough that you won't touch the bottom unless you die during, during the attempt. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah, and, and it's, you're yeah. going down with like three tanks and, you know, three separate different air mixes so Anxiety. that you can make yeah. it. Yeah. It's nuts. Helium and stuff. Yeah. No, yeah. Not, not my kind of diving. I can't remember how deep it is. It's unbelievably deep and you don't, you don't even get bottom time. You literally I go. Think it, it comes to a point where you go from salt water to sweet water. Uh, if I miss it. I really? I a documentary. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it gets kind of cloudy. Yeah. So, so that, that is. You it's, it's, it's been deep. For a while. Oh, it's, yeah. it's yeah. very deep, and it is a it's a sheer drop off too. It's literally you go to the edge, and then it's. Do you even have a ballpark, Christian? Oh, so yeah, yeah look up the on, on depth. No, no, I I I've, I know there's good documentaries out there, and I've watched them all. It's been a while. That's when I immediately put it on my bucket list. Yeah. Um, it, it's if if people haven't seen it or know what we're talking about, just Google Blue Hole. Um, Blue four hundred and ten uh, feet. Yeah. 410 wow, feet. Yeah, yeah. So, so to make yeah. it to the bottom, it's you have to have multiple air mixes and you have to transition. Or 125 meters. Oh, oh. The, for the Europeans out for, there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever been to, uh, have you done Stingray City in the Cayman Islands? I was in the Cayman Islands, but I didn't do Stingray City. I did, a, there was a shipwreck there that I did. Which, which shipwreck? Wow. Cool. Oh, okay. The one that sh- 
The yeah. one that's in the bottom of the ocean? I don't know the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> the Titanic. <laughs> it, it was cool. It was, it was big enough so you could actually swim in the ship and kind of go through the engine compartment. And, you know, it, it was decently sized ship. The only thing that was a little bit poor, it it's, it'd been sunk there on purpose. So it wasn't a wreck. It oh, was it wasn't a, a ship, true wreck. A yeah. Sh- yeah. A ship drop, if we want to call it. Yeah, that. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the most eerie dives I've ever been on was we, we, and I can't remember if it was Cayman. It must've been Cayman. I think it was Cayman. And they had this one compartment that so many people had dove in that air had started to displace the water. So you're, you're 80 feet underwater and you can stick your head out of the water inside of this ship. And that it's used air, so they tell you to yeah. be like, regular. Like if, like if it were a cave. Oh, yeah, that's yep, cool. exactly. Yeah. So it was very, it was a cool concept, but what I did not anticipate is when you pulled your head out of the water, you could hear the creaking and the groaning oh, of the, the ship because water isn't stationary. And so that ship is very lightly, gently moving, and you can hear all of that creaking and groaning. All when the you, cracking, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about like a... This is kind of cool, but it's I'm going to go back underwater now. <laughs> like, yeah. It was very eerie. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds a little scary. I've done a few shipwrecks, but I've never heard the ships uh, moving around. Yeah, I, like, it was, I like it when they're nice and steady. Dude, on the, on yeah, the exactly. And I'm nice and safe. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you. And this is kind of the new question that's been introduced to the show. Uh, thanks to our good buddy, uh, Jared, Jared. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like your purpose is? And you can interpret that however you want to. But what do you think your purpose is? In life? Yeah. We're getting philosophical. Oh, we're getting um, so philosophical. That's what I loved about this question is you could literally yeah. take it whatever direction you want. And you can go as deep or as shallow as you want. I thought it was a fantastic question. I want to use it. I, I, I'll take it in the philosophical sense of, of it. Um, Let's go for it. Uh, and I'm not, I think uh, my kind of way of acting on, on a day-to-day basis is do more good than bad. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think I'm going to become a legendary person in life that is going to do something revolutionary that saved millions of lives. I wish I did. Uh, wait, wait until this podcast yeah. airs, Christian. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think the, the motto is just be, be a nice person to everybody. Uh, be kind, be, you know, be in a good mood, try to be in a good mood. Things, a lot of, people out there have it worse than you do yeah a lot of we kind of normally focus on the shit that happens every day but then you look you look back and you're like well it's actually not that bad you, know, you look at week i get to travel a lot with work so you've seen amazing places and you've seen places that are not that are not that cool uh, and then when somebody complains about something which isn't really something to complain about i kind of try to remind them like well you know it's it's, it's really not that bad you got a roof you got food on the table you got a, job. Perspective. a lot of people lost uh, a lot of people lost their jobs in COVID. I was grateful to still have a job, you know? Yeah. So small things in life like that and remind people that it, it's not as bad as your mind wants it to be. Um, and, and just be, be kind to people and be, have a laugh every day. It's don't take, don't take life too seriously. That's great. That's I like fantastic it. advice. Absolutely. Well, Christian, thanks again for being on the show tonight. We, yeah, we truly do appreciate you. it. My pleasure. I, I feel, uh, 
very honored to have been invited to join you guys. Uh, I hope we didn't uh, bore the uh, the listeners with with no, all this. No, we ha- we 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 have lots that will love this. We talked about penetration. We talked yeah. about lubricants. We talked about. Males 5,000 fe- PSI. 5,000 yeah. PSI. We talked about face. the motherfucking steel wrist. Come on. The best freaking thing that has came to you equipment. You have nothing to apologize for, sir. Well, 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 thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. I look, so, I look for anybody who's interested in listening more. They're very welcome to reach out to steel wrist or my, myself personally, and we'll try to help them out. So that's what I was going to say. Why don't For the last thing of the podcast here, why don't you plug away uh, for steel wrist or or any you know social media platforms you guys are on we are on instagram as steel wrist north america or steel wrist official the steel wrist north america is a little bit more local given that there's a lot of discussions and forums on this is better than that and we wanted to be involved steel wrist official probably will post more of the cool videos that, that come from all around the world from facebook and we try to attend as many shows as we possibly can. So Utility Expo, Con Expo, Trimble Dimensions, Na- National Demolition Association Live Demo. So if you're curious, make yourself uh, out there, come out there, and we'll, we'll definitely put you uh, behind the joysticks on the machine so that you get to try the technologies. I think uh, trying it is going to definitely flip your mind and take you to a new dimension. That's probably going to be the deciding factor so that you can move forward and make your business more efficient. I will 100% stand behind that statement. Having used a tilt rotator before, I will 100% stand behind that statement. It will change your business. So that means you're in the Northeast. If you're in the Northeast, we have our own demo machine in our office. Oh, that's right. Um, Yep. So um, we have it there just because we know that it takes... Yeah, once you use it, it's it's a no-brainer. It's a, it's an important investment, so it's very difficult to buy anything. Once you go steal risk, you never go back. You never <laughs> go back. You got to remember, Matt. We we are the black. They are the black one. That's what I was gonna say. Once you go black, you never go back. <laughs> so that being said, thanks again, Christian. We appreciate you, and thanks again to the audience. You know, as always, we appreciate you guys listening. You guys support the show. You make it all possible. And that being said, you guys have a great week, and we'll catch you next week on Sweat and Grind, baby. Peace. Thank you.